Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. Welcome to our Lifeline Bible Study here at Pleasant Hill. Again, we're so glad that you've taken the time tonight to tune in with us. And uh, we're excited about what God is doing here at Pleasant Hill. And I'm excited about what God has been showing me in His Word. And I hope that you are reading in His Word and enjoying what God is showing you. Tonight, I want to share a few announcements with you at the end, uh, but I want, I'm going to share a few announcements with you now. I'm going to do some prayer requests at the end, but we're going to begin a new journey in the book of Ruth on Wednesday nights, at least for the next few weeks. Uh, we'll see where we go from there, but I want to share some very exciting news uh, with you that we are going to begin our in-person uh, services again on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock p.m. We'll still do our live stream but we want to invite you to come join with us in person uh, so we can fellowship together, so that we can study the Word of God together and ask questions and, and just enjoy our time together. That's going to begin uh, the week after, not, the, not uh, two Wednesdays after Easter is when that will begin. Uh, we're going to give a week for spring break, and then that next week we will begin our in-person here at Pleasant Hill, as well as the live stream of our Wednesday night Bible study. But we want to announce that right now. Also want to tell you that you're always invited to come Sunday, 945 in person, our small group Sunday school. We also have at 1045, we do a live stream as well as in person of our morning worship and message here at Pleasant Hill Baptist Church uh, in between the towns of Central and Six Mile. You're also welcome to join us uh, on Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, we have a group that usually meets Mondays and Thursdays down in, in Norris for a little breakfast fellowship at Margaret's Diner. Uh, we begin about 8.45, 9 o'clock, and we start getting there and just enjoying about an hour, hour and a half or so of fellowship and time of discussion and just friendship. We invite you to that as well. Uh, of course, we also invite you Wednesday nights. We already have going on our youth hangouts at 7 o'clock p.m. For children ages 3 on up through college, you come on down uh, to our fellowship hall at 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights. We have a time of fellowship and snacks and also Bible study and just hanging out, enjoying time together. Uh, we will be having uh, next Wednesday will be our Easter egg hunt and Easter celebration with our kids on Wednesday night. Next Wednesday is when we will do that. We'll have a time of snacks and, and uh, some food, as well as Easter egg hunt and, and Easter story. Uh, but we invite you to join us for that. So having shared all those announcements, I'll share some prayer requests at the end. But go ahead, if you would, and turn with me to the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. The book of Ruth, a little book of four chapters a love story, but a story that begins with a tragedy. 
Uh, but it's a love story. It's a picture of hope. It's a picture of redemption. It's a picture of salvation. It's a picture of Jesus Christ and, and, and the lost or the church and those who would be saved, those that he redeems. It's a love story of Ruth and Boaz. But it's also a story of mercy and grace and faith and faithfulness. And it is a beautiful, wonderful story and we're going to begin that tonight. I'm going to go ahead and read just verses 1 through 6 of chapter 1. Then we'll pray, and then we're going to dive in with what God has for us tonight. So let's look, if you would, in Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, and let's read together. And before we do, let me just go ahead and say this. I didn't do this Sunday, and I meant to do it, but I'm going to do it tonight. Hold up your Bible if you've got it, and if you don't, grab a Bible because we're going to read it together. Hold up your Bible and follow along with me. Say this, this is the word of God. I will read it, I will believe it, and by the grace of God, I will obey it. Let's say that one more time together. This is the word of God. I will read it, I will believe it, by the grace of God, I will obey it. Uh, I want us to share that uh, each week as we make a commitment to the Word of God. I believe, and I posted this this week, one of the most difficult, perhaps the most difficult thing to do as a Christian, and a first step of obedience as a Christian, is to daily read the Word of God to daily get in and dive into the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that's what we have in our hands. But let's go ahead and read Ruth 1, and beginning in verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Now let's stop right there. We are reading, or if you've been reading along with us, or whether you have or not, if you've ever read your Bible, you understand there's the first five books of the Bible is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, known as the Torah, known as the books of the law, written by Moses, uh, and most of us are familiar with those. And then after that comes Joshua, and that's where, again, from Exodus to Deuteronomy, the book of Genesis is really about the creation of the universe. It's about the beginning of society. It's about the beginning of Israel with Abraham and then Isaac and Jacob. And then it culminates with Joseph, the son of Jacob, going being sold into slavery into Egypt, which is a picture of the world, but how God sent him ahead and then used Joseph and Egypt to preserve the, the family of Jacob, and they became the nation of Israel. Then God leads them out of slavery. They become slaves in, in Egypt after Joseph dies, and a new Pharaoh comes on the scene, and God, in his miraculous power, in his grace, in his mercy, in his love, in his compassion, leads the Egyptians through Moses out of the, the, uh, the Egyptian slavery, across the Red Sea, through the wilderness to the promised land that he had given promised to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so now Joshua leads them into the promised land. Again, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because when they got to the, 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 they got to the gateway, if you will, to the borders of Canaan land, the promised land, they refused to go in. 
And then they wander for 40 years in the wilderness, and then God in his grace brings them back. Uh, Moses gives a last speech of encouragement to them and challenge to them, and Joshua crosses over the Jordan, and they conquer the land of Canaan in the book of Joshua. Then the book of Judges, or the time of Judges, takes place, and that's when, after they'd conquered the land, Israel turned away from the Lord, and they begin to worship false gods, and there is no king, there is no leader. And so the people go back and forth between falling into, uh, not, not so much slavery, but in essence slavery, but being harassed by the people that were around them, and, and being, uh, having them having dominion over them, to then God would deliver them and raise up a judge and deliver them. Then the people would fall away from God again. God would bring judgment on them. They would call upon God and repent. God would raise up a judge. When we talk about judges, we're talking about people uh, like Gideon, like Samson, like Deborah and Barak, and others that were used in the book of Judges. But the book of Judges was a very dark time for Israel. It was a very wicked time, for the most part, for Israel. And that's the setting of the book of Ruth. Ruth is taking place during the time of the judges before God raised up Samuel and had him anoint Saul as king. It's the time of judges. And so understand that's where we're at. Okay, so now there's a famine in the land. Famine is God's judgment. Famine is a sign of God's judgment, and it was judgment on Israel because they had not held up their end of the covenant. And so therefore now there is famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah... Now, Bethlehem ought to sound familiar to you. That's the city also of David. It's also the city in which Jesus was born in the New Testament time period. Uh, but here we are now, a man uh, named Elimelech, the name of his wife, Naomi. I'm, let me go back, I'm sorry. A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. So he leaves Bethlehem. He and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilon, or Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died. Also both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Now, think of this in the fact that here we are. Here's That's the first six verses. Now, here we are. There are two people who are Hebrews, they're Israelites of Bethlehem, of Judah. And they're there in God's promised land, even though it's a dark time, even though there's difficulty and there's hardship and there's famine, but they were in the place where God had sent them. God had placed them. God said, this is the land I'm giving you. And he had given to them. That hadn't changed. And now we see the famine and trouble comes in and we see what Elimelech does is he leads his wife, his two sons, away from God's land of promise into Moab, who were the sworn enemies of Israel. And while they're there, they're there for about 10 years, 
And in that ten years, Elimelech dies, and also their two sons die, and Naomi is left with herself, a widow, and her two daughters, also widows. It was a dark beginning to this book of Ruth. It is a dark time for Israel. It is a dark beginning to this beautiful, beautiful book of Ruth. But let's pray and ask what God would have us to see tonight as we look at this thought, the idea of you can't run away from trouble, but I want you to see this thought is the fact that, that uh, there are three mistakes to avoid while dealing with hardship. This first chapter is about really about hardship. And there's hardship that they faced in the land of Israel. And there, when we face hardship, we have choices to make. God gives us freedoms, and God gives us the ability to choose. But God has a plan, and God has instructions for us. And we have to make a choice. Are we going to believe by faith what God has said, or are we going to lean to our own understanding? And so I want you to understand there's three mistakes that we see in this first chapter to avoid. I'm only going to get to the first one tonight. But three mistakes to avoid while dealing with hardship. We all have hardships. We all have troubles. We all have difficulties. And oftentimes there is a fork in the road. Which way will we go? There's three mistakes we, that we need to avoid while making these choices. The number one is we cannot run away. We cannot run away from our problems. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight as we continue to look into your word, that you'd help us tonight as we study your word, that we see these, these mistakes that are made and why they're made and how we can avoid them and how can we, we can avoid as we face trials and hardships and difficulties in this life, as we face dark days, that we would not make the same mistakes, but that we would avoid these mistakes. And tonight, that we would look at the fact that we cannot run from our troubles. We cannot run from our problems. God, help us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at these people now, and particularly we're looking at Elimelech and Naomi, two people who were God's chosen people, Hebrews. And here they are, and yes, we, we realize we don't know anything really about the fact of, of how religious they were. Now, Jews in, in general were religious, but were they believers? Were they not believers? It doesn't say. Uh, we do know that later on we see, we'll see Naomi goes back to the land of her God, and Ruth talks about the fact that your God will be my God. So obviously there was some religiosity there, but here in this place we see trouble comes upon Elimelech, and we see problem comes upon Naomi and the choices they make. Number, number one, notice this. It's interesting to me, to me as I read that here the land of Bethlehem, now again that ought to hearken us or, or bring our attention to that's where Jesus was born, but Bethlehem meant house of bread. And so therefore, it's just interesting to me that that's the place where this took place. It's the place where famine was in the house of bread. There was no bread. Now, it's easy enough for us to say, man, Elimelech, he really messed up. He made a mistake. Or we may think, you know what, he should have stayed where he was at. He should have stayed where God had put him. He should have stayed where God had put his people. God never said, hey, look, uh, go somewhere else. 
He didn't say that. In fact, that's number one thing I want you to see is that when we face trouble, the first place we ought to turn is to the Lord. Nowhere before, before the decision was made to leave the land of Israel, the land of Bethlehem, the land of Judah, nowhere do we see where Elimelech turned to God and said, God, what should I do? Now, this ought to remind us of another character in the Bible, a famous character in the Bible, and that is Abraham. Abraham twice. Abraham, and then later uh, also Isaac did the same thing. Uh, but Abraham, and Jacob for that matter, but Abraham went into, left where God had told him to go because there was famine in the land. And it led to all kinds of problems where he had to lie about his wife being his sister. We're not going to take time to dive into all that, but there's precedent set where it takes place and it never goes good, never goes well when we face troubles and we don't turn to the Lord. Sometimes we get in a panic. Sometimes we get in a pinch. And we think, I don't have time. I've got to make a decision now. Number one, if you're in a constant conversation with God, reading the Word of God, praying and talking to God, it's a whole lot easier to turn to God. But the key is this, whether you have been reading or praying or not, don't get the idea that you can't turn to Him. Turn to Him. Turn to God before you make a turn in your life. Let me say that again. Turn to God before you make a turn in your life. Consult God. Get the wisdom of God. Get advice from God. Get direction from God. Get instruction from God. It was not a sin in of itself, the fact that they left Israel and went to another land. Although... Uh, Certainly Moab were enemies of Israel. I say that it's not in of itself wrong because Jesus, or rather I should say the angel of the Lord, went to uh, Joseph and Mary and warned them to go down into Egypt because Herod was going to kill all the children under the age of two in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. So it's not that it was a sin so much to leave Israel, although in this case it was, but it was the fact that, listen, he never turned to the Lord. We've got to turn to God. We've got troubles in our life. We have hardships in our life. We have difficulties in our life. We have decisions to make in our life. We have problems. Nobody would blame Elimelech or you or me for trying to do what is right to provide for our family, for our children but you've got to seek the Lord. You've got to seek God. And Elimelech did not do that. And really that leads to the fact of why did he run? We see that there was a problem. We see that there was the place, that we see there was a problem, that there was a famine in the land. We see that there was a decision that was made. I'm going to Moab to get some help. 50 miles away. Now, I have a hard time believing that 50 miles away there wasn't any famine, but... In God's judgment on Israel, that obviously what was taking place because they get to the land of Moab, 50 miles away from Bethlehem, and apparently they find what they need because they stay there, it says, for about 10 years. Now, Elimelech didn't because at some point in that 10 years he died. We don't know how closely he died to his two sons. We have no idea. But here's the thing that I want you to see. 
Here's a thing that's important for us to see. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this in his book, The Conduct of Life. The efforts which we make to escape from our destiny only serve to lead us into it. And what I mean by that is this. It's obvious, but in this case, Elimelech tried to avoid starvation, tried to avoid uh, uh, the famine, and it tried to avoid death, and so he made a decision, and yet in making that decision, within 10 years' time, he and his two sons were dead. He made a decision to try to protect himself, his wife, his two sons, but he did not consult God, and within 10 years' time, he and his two sons were dead. What a terrible tragedy. What a terrible hardship. But the key is this, turning to the Lord. He made a decision to go to Moab for help. But why did he do that? Because he was walking by sight and not by faith. We've got to walk by faith and not by sight. Well, how do we do that? Because again, he didn't walk by faith. If he had, he would have gone to a faithful God. If he had, he would have said, by faith, I'm going to be faithful to God. And God said, this is where he wants us. God hasn't moved us. God hasn't told me to go. And so therefore, so therefore, he made the mistake and he ran from his troubles. But we need to run by faith and not by sight. He ran by what he saw and not by faith. So how do we run or walk by faith and not by sight? Well, one, by claiming the promises of God. God had given them a land of milk and honey. God had given them a land of plenty. He said, well, it wasn't there. Well, the people overall were not following God, and that's why there was judgment on the land. But sometimes even when we are following God, let's put that aside for a moment. Sometimes even when we are following God, hardship comes. Even, listen, for those of us, for, for, listen, times in my life that I have followed God closely and there's times in my life that I haven't. And sometimes I find that it's when I'm following God the most closely or trying to follow God the most closely that I end up in the biggest hardships. Why? Well, because one, the devil doesn't want to stir up what is already not stirred up. If I'm not turning to God, if I'm not looking to God, if I'm not following God, the devil doesn't want to stir me up. That's why a lot of times we look and we see they seem to be doing just fine. Those Meaning those who are not following God. Those who, whether be saved or not. Now, if you're saved, oftentimes, and, and you're not living for God, but you are saved, oftentimes it's God that brings trial and hardship, not the devil, because God's trying to get your attention. The devil doesn't want you to get your attention. He wants to keep you right where you're at. But here we are, and we see that we've got to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. And sometimes when we're walking the closest, that's when things can get the hardest because the devil is on the attack. But we can claim the promises of God and make decisions to obey the God of promises. Let me say that again. The one of the best ways to walk by faith and not by sight is to claim the promises of God and make the decision to obey the God of promises.
God has promised he'll never leave you nor forsake you. God has promised that he will watch over you. God has promised he will hold your hand. God has promised that he will give you eternal life. God has promised that there is nothing that worse can happen to you than what nothing will happen to you other than what God allows. God has promised that no matter what happens to you, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. There are promises that we can claim on to, that we can hold on to. The promises that God is mightier than the devil. Promises that God has given us victory. God that promises that God will make us into overcomers because he is an overcomer. Oh, my friend, listen, we have got to claim the promises of God. Elimelech did not claim the promises of God, and he did not turn to the God of promise and obey him. Why did Elimelech not do that? Same reason we don't do it. Because we're not walking by faith, but also we're walking by sight, but also because we major, we major in the physical and not the spiritual. We major in the physical and not the spiritual. He led his family. Elimelech did. He led his family in a choice for things of physical needs versus spiritual needs. Even in a place that, was, that had turned their back largely on God for large amounts of time, they were still in the land of God's promise. They were still in the land, the, the Israelites, their, their God was a true and living God. Moab and the Moabites did not serve the true and living God. And so therefore, they're still in the presence, if you will, of God in Israel. We... When we run away from our troubles, when we run away from our problems, we're running away from God because God is, is oftentimes, most often, is right there where the trouble is. And so, therefore, we're running away from him. And they ran from the place where God had placed them, where the place God had given them, the place where God intended for them, over to where the Baals were and over to where the false gods were. And so, therefore, they said, what's more important to me is my physical needs, not my spiritual needs. I choose physical over the spiritual. If I have any chance for spiritual life, it's over here with God. But if I have any chance for physical life, it's over here in Moab. And we have the same problem. But here's the thing. We don't have to live. Sometimes we choose life in a secular world over life with God eternal. My point is this. We don't have to. Listen, it may not be God's will for us to live. You say, what a terrible thing to say. What I'm saying is this. You have a choice to live and have eternal life or to turn away from God and to lose life. They still lost it. They still lost their lives. Life is still going to come to an end, but to come to an end without God is a terrible end to meet. And so what I'm saying to you is this. We've got to learn to choose the spiritual over the physical. That's a hard thing to do. I'm not going to lie to you. There's times, and this is where, again, where walking by faith leads us to choose the spiritual, and walking by sight leads us to choose the physical. The physical needs. Because I see that I need food. I see that I need clothes. I see that I need housing. And these people over here, this place over here, this ungodly place over here is going to provide that for me. No, they're not. Now, now listen, the world sometimes will for a time. 
The world will for a time embrace you, accept you until you turn against them in some way or disagree with them in some way or unless you fault them in some way or offend them in some way. They will embrace you and accept you. Let's not get, let's not get uh, caught up in a lie over that. The world accepts the world. But you get over in the land of Moab and you try living for God and you're going to find it's a whole lot harder than it was living in the land of famine over in the place where God is. And in our lives, we've got to learn to choose the spiritual. We've got to learn to choose that I'm going to follow God no matter what. I want to be where God is no matter what. And then what we find out is this. Seek ye first. Now listen, they didn't have this verse. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things that we think we need physically over here, God will give you. God will grant you. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean necessarily you can be driving a Mercedes and a BMW and have a house on Lakeshore Drive in, in wherever you want to say is the rich place in town or whatever. But God will take care of your needs. He clothes the, the lily of the, of the field. He clothes the sparrow. He takes care of and feeds the sparrow. Listen, you're worth more than they are. Are. By the way, that's uh, I, I could get off on a whole rabbit trail about how when we get over in the world, we start to think that the sparrow and the flower is more valuable than you and me to God. And that's just not the case because the Bible tells us how much more value do you have than the sparrow and the grass in the field and the flower in the field. The fact is that you've been made in the image of God and you are worth so much to him and he loves you so much and he will take care of you. Oh, my friend, listen, we've got to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. We've got to learn to choose the spiritual things and not the physical things. And what I'm telling you is this, Elimelech did not do that, but he ran from God and ran from the trouble, which God, by the way, was bringing upon the land to begin with, but he ran from the trouble and ran into trouble because he died. And whether he had died or not, he still made the wrong choice because he didn't consult the God who was the provider of all things anyway. He didn't consult God. He made the wrong turn, made the wrong choice, and ended up in worse shape because he walked by sight and not by faith, and he majored in the physical and not the spiritual. Man shall not live by bread alone. You cannot live if you eat bread alone. You've got to have the word of God. We have to seek the kingdom of God. And also the fact is this. Elimelech made the mistake. He didn't consult God. He made a wrong choice. He made a wrong turn. He walked by sight and not by faith. He majored on the physical and not the spiritual. And he honored the enemy and not the Lord. Job said, Naked I came into this world, naked I'm going to go out, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm not going to curse the name of God. Job lost everything. Job had hardship. Job had difficulty. Job had pain. Job had sorrow. But Job said, listen, I want to be where God is, and I'm going to bless the name of the Lord. I'm going to honor God even in the hardship." And all my friend, we've got to learn to honor God even when we may not be honored for doing so. We've got to honor God when it's not easy to do so. We've got to honor God when we don't understand exactly what's going on. But again, let me say this one more time. We've got to honor God even when it may not be honorable for us to do so. Meaning, 
People may look at us and say, you are out of your mind. You're choosing spiritual things. You're choosing godly things. You're choosing church things. You're choosing Bible things. And you could come over here and enjoy all these things over here. You're, that's not honorable. You've done lost your mind. You're a poor excuse for a human being. And it's not honorable, but we've got to honor God and not worry about the honor that we get out of it. I'm running out of time, but I want you to see. Did you, do you not see the problem that he had and the problem that he ran from and the problem that he ran into and the fact that he made had a choice to make and he didn't consult God. He had a direction to go and he chose the wrong one because he did not seek God. He had a problem to deal with and he ran with it ran away from it into a bigger problem because he did not consult God and had his eyes on the physical things, not the spiritual things. He had his eyes on what he could see and not what he could know. What I'm saying is this, is that Elimelech made a poor choice. There are those that may look at Elimelech from the outside and say, man, that's a guy who made a hard choice, and he did so for his family, and he did so for his wife. He did so for his children. Isn't that an honorable thing to do? And I'm telling you that it's not, and we know it's not because we saw what happened. And then as we go on and read the story, it caused a hardship for Naomi, and it caused a hardship for the two daughters, daughters-in-law. And he lost his two sons. You say, well, what if he had stayed where he was at and lost his two sons? If he had stayed where he had at and lost his two sons, at least his two sons would have been where God had wanted them to be. And by the way, if he had gone to God, and again, I'm going to say this again, if he had gone to God and God said, hey, yes, go to this place for, for I'm going to provide for you there, that's different. But the fact is he never called on God. Nowhere do we see a Limelech calling on God. Now we know that he had some form of religiosity, or at least Naomi did, because later on she talks about God. But the choice was made. And one of the mistakes that we make when troubles come is we try to run from our troubles. Let's not do that. Avoid the mistake. When panic comes, when hardship comes, when trouble comes, when difficulty comes, when pain comes, when sorrow comes, when need comes, when suffering comes, when tears come, when frustration comes, turn to the God that we should have been talking to all along. Turn to the God of our covenant. Turn to the God of our salvation. Turn to the God of our creation. Turn to the God who can do something and call on him. Before you make a choice, before you choose to run away from your trouble, say, oh God, I don't know what's going on, but God, tell me what to do. God, tell me where to be. Tell me what to say. Tell me, God, tell me what, how you're going to meet this need. God, tell me how, show me how you're going to provide for me or how you're going to carry me or how you're going to sustain me or what you want me to do. God, talk to me. 
Don't run from the trouble, run to God. Don't run from the trouble, run to God. But number two, don't run away, don't, make, don't panic, make the wrong choice because you didn't make the, have a right wisdom in doing so and create a bigger problem for yourself. Don't make the choice. And again, turn to God for help in your choice, for instructions in your choice. And you'll do so when you focus on the promises and focus on the promise giver. But focus on the spiritual, not the physical, because your eyes are not what's leading you. It's your faith that is sustaining you. And I'm telling you, when you walk and run by faith and not by sight, you'll walk by faith and run by faith when trouble comes in the direction of God and say, God, tell me what you want me to do. Tell me how where you want me to be. God, I'm right here until you tell me otherwise. And I'm telling you that's because you want to lead your life and to fill your life and to guide your life with the spiritual and not the physical. It may be harder. This may be easier. But my friends, I promise you, this is far better. And it would have been for Elimelech. So the problem number one, don't run. The mistake number one, I guess I should say, is don't run from your problem. Don't run from your problem. Next week, we're going to look at number two. Don't try to hide your mistake. Don't try to hide your mistake. Until, in, until that time, read the book of Ruth. Listen, I don't know where you're at in God's word. I don't know where you're reading God's, God's word, but I invite you to read this beautiful story. If you don't have somewhere else that you're planning on reading, read the book of Ruth and read a story of love and hope and grace and faith and faithfulness and redemption. Oh, it's a beautiful story, and you're going to see in this first chapter a dark beginning. But, oh, my friends, there's a beautiful end, a beautiful end. You see, God can even take our mistakes when we run. God can take that and turn that into hope and good things, as he did for Naomi. And we'll see that as he did for Naomi and as he did for Ruth. We'll see that if we'll just turn to him and return to him as Ruth and Naomi did. And we'll talk about that in the days to come. But my friends, I pray that you'll see what I saw tonight. I pray that you'll see that we don't need to run from our troubles, but we need to run to God. Don't run from your troubles. Run to God. Live by faith, not by sight. Focus, major, and the spiritual, not the physical. Claim the promises of God and obey the God of promise. Let's pray. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.
I'm gonna run this race, this race with courage, till I cross.